make America great again. From Studio A in Greenwich, Connecticut, Carl Higby. Hey, folks, welcome back to the Carl Higby Show. Appreciate you tuning in. Sorry, let me fix this microphone here. We got some height issues. But, hey, look, so I, w- I wanted to check in with you guys, make sure everybody's doing okay. I appreciate you tuning in. I know it is countdown till election day. It is a countdown to election day. And here's what I see across the country. Here's what I see across the states and things like that is you have two classes of Republicans, one that are like, yes, I am for this stuff unequivocally, unapologetically. And those are the people Trump is out actually uh, helping campaign and helping win. And then you have a second set of Republicans that are apologizing. They essentially are apologizing. They're catering it to their district. You know, whether or not they believe it, I think, is almost irrelevant at this point in time on either side of this. But they're out there apologizing to people for what Republican principles. What and this is the problem. We have to stop apologizing for these things. This is so stupid. This is so incredibly dumb. Do not apologize for our principles because our principles ring true. When I when I say I'm a Republican to someone, whether they agree or disagree with me, I'm happy to debate any single issue. There's not a single thing that I will shy away from. I will debate you on any topic, and I believe the Republican way is the right way. There are things that I would tweak about the Republican standpoint, but when it comes to a liberal standpoint or a progressive standpoint, Republicans win 10 out of 10 times on every policy, on every issue, on every single merit-based fact. And you can take that to the bank. So we got to stop apologizing for this. We ran immeasurably great. I mean, we ran Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney. The church-going, donate-half-your-salary-with-kids Mormon, Mitt Romney. And he was called a racist. He was called a bigot. He was called a Nazi. This is where we are with this stuff. No matter what, no matter who we we could run the Pope. We could run Jesus Christ himself, and they would have a problem. The left would have a problem. I mean, we're seeing this now with Harry Reid, who, where he agreed with Trump on the birthright citizenship a couple years ago. But now, oh, Trump said it. I, he, he came out and apologized and said he was wrong. I'm actually surprised he didn't say he misspoke. That's usually what liberals do. They, they, they never, they're never wrong. They're, they misspoke. So, you know, going through this again, um, you know, we ran John McCain, who was, a, a, you know, a veteran. You shouldn't have been able to say anything about him, but they did. They called him everything. They, they tore him to bits. I have my personal things with the late John McCain, but he was an immeasurably better candidate than Barack Obama. So anyway, we have to stop apologizing. Republicans, the reason Trump won is because he stood up for what he believed in, and he, he had conviction. He had conviction. Republicans do not believe their own message. And Bill Whittle gave a great speech on Republicans believing their own message much. And he said, we don't believe our own message because we're ashamed of some of the things and how people will think of it. Stop being ashamed of wanting to win. Stop being ashamed of wanting to make America better. Stop being ashamed of the fact that our principles work. Don't be ashamed of it because you think somebody might disagree with you. When someone disagrees agrees with you, you double down. That's what I do. So here's the thing. We have to move past this. As Republicans, we got to grow our spine, and some of them are starting to grow, but we have we have to grow our spine all, all across, part, across the entire party. Otherwise, we're going to start continue to lose those districts. And you know what? 
We got to run. We we don't tr- we can't try to moderate and look like, hey, we can get along with the Democrats because the Democrats don't want to get along with us. So they're not going to no matter what. So we might as well run our party lines and say, this is what we stand on. We disagree with them on X, Y, and Z. We agree with them on A, B, and C. Vote for us, and that's what you get. And then we have to start following through with our promises. That is the problem with Congress as it is now, is too many people have gone to Washington and literally don't do what they say they're going to do. It's unbelievable. Folks, the Carl Higby Show is brought to you by Great America PAC, the longest-serving supporting super PAC of President Trump. They're great. They're awesome. I worked with them during the campaign. We hit dozens of states with these guys. They put on awesome events. It was fantastic. So you can support them by going to www.greatamericaapp.com. Okay? This is the premier MAGA community for the America First movement. You want special updates, insider information and news and things like that, events that are going on in your area, other MAGA people. It's, I, I swear, it's like, it's like a menu of MAGA people. It's fantastic. It is the place to go. www.greatamericaapp.com. Go there. Download the app. I did. It's fantastic. You can get in touch with other MAGA people and everything that's going on in your area, how you can support, what's coming, what's coming down the pipeline, inside news before all the other media networks, exclusive stuff. It's fantastic. Please go there. Get it. www.greatamericaapp.com. So this is... You know, there was an interesting article in the New York Post, and the headline said, um, I try, this was, it says Trump, I tell the truth when I can. So, um, I tell the truth when I can. Now, if you read down in the article, it sounds like Trump is saying like, yeah, I, I play fast and loose with the truth. But what it's actually talking about, what he actually goes down and says there's certain things that he can't talk about as the president of the United States. And that's a fact. That is a, a complete fact. So there's certain things that you just can't talk about. It's in it probably here. It's probably the most most truthful statement I've heard from a politician in a very long time. It's like refreshing almost. And this is why Trump's like, look, I'm not perfect. I know that. You know, and I don't always tell you the truth because there's certain things I can't tell you. There's certain things I don't want to tell you. I mean, this is why I won, because people reach out and be like, oh, yeah, I can see that. Okay, cool. So, you know, I, this, this to me is something very important. It's a, it, it, is, it marks the difference between a career politician or a professional politician, we'll say, and Trump, who's a professional person at getting things done. And this is why, because he's like, I don't really care what you say. You can put the wrong headline all you want, but at the end of the day... This is where I stand. You know? And this is, it's like, it's like bait for the, it's a chum in the water for the media. They say this, oh my God, we got to jump on this. And it makes them all look like partisan hacks, which they are. The media has completely become partisan hacks. We're going to go into that in a little while. But what he does is he throws this chum in the water. They take the bait. And then all of a sudden they're like, um, you know, they're like, well, we got we to gotta write a story about how horrible Trump is. And they put out a headline like, I tell the truth when I can, insinuating that he doesn't always want to tell the truth. But then if you read in the article and you read his actual quote, you're good to go. It's, I can't tell the truth to you sometimes because of national security. 
That's, but that's the media, and we're going to talk about them in a, in, in a little while. But, folks, again, this show is also brought to you by U.S. Wellness Meets. I'm a fitness dude. I love my gym time. I get up at 4.35 o'clock in the morning to make sure I can get to the gym before I go off to the job site. I understand the importance of nutrition. Believe me, folks, I'm getting six, seven, if I am lucky, eight hours of sleep a night. So I'm running on pure nutrition. You need these folks from their farms to your table. U.S. Wellness Meats will ship it for free right now in the United States, Puerto Rico, and Canada. All natural, sustainably raised food from small businesses, family farms, 100% grass-fed beef, lamb, bison, dairy, wild-caught seafood, pasture-raised pork, and free-range pastured poultry. Okay, great for special diets. We've talked about this before. Sugar, gluten-free, uh, sugar-free, gluten-free, keto, paleo, etc. They're serving everyone. College sports teams, professional sports team, world-class athletes, but mostly families just like us. Look, I'm not a, there's a 0% chance I'll ever play in the NFL. I have no ACLs. And the doctor, I asked the doctor, should I get them fixed? Are you going to play in the NFL? Nope. Look, most people don't ever play professional sports. Grass-fed beef is still for your family. Okay, so go there, uswellnessmeats.com. That's uswellnessmeats.com. Limited time only, promo code FREEDOM because they love America. So promo code FREEDOM saves you 15%. They'll ship it to you for free. Okay? You know, I want to do a quick update on the polls here. We're going, we are literally going into what is going to be, I believe, a record-breaking um It's going to be a record-breaking primer. I think we're going to hold the House. Nancy Pelosi went on some late-night show the other day and said, oh, we're going to win the House. And the guy was like, please don't say that because you're going to lose and you're going to have to retract it. So some of the things that I'm looking at here are that are that are really shocking to me is some of the numbers. These polls do not represent America. Let me say that again. These polls do not represent America accurately. We went through this. Remember this? We went through this in 2016. 98% chance Hillary was going to win. Okay? And right now, it's showing neck and neck. It's, it's, anyone's, it's anyone's race. Okay? Um, these polls are neck and neck. So, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. But I do think we're going to keep the House. Not by much, but we are going to keep the House. I think we're going to gain in the Senate. I've been saying it since... You know, months and months and months ago. And people inside the Beltway are like, oh, my God, Republicans are losing the House. It's going to razor thin, and we're going to be down 40 seats. And you walk outside the Beltway, people are—Republicans are like, I, I, you know, not in my district. Nobody I work with is voting Democrat. I don't know how they're polling as they, as they are because the average person just gets up and goes to work, and they see things like the tax cut. They see things like now you are not forced to buy health care. They see that stuff and they're like, yeah, why would I vote for a party that's going to jam stuff down my throat like Democrats do? And I'm going to vote for the person who's limited government, maximum freedom. And for some reason, the polls just don't sink into these people. The polls don't get to the polls don't reach out to normal people. I had a pollster call me once and they started asking me questions. And it was it was non-candidate based, but it was clearly, you know, who it was for Ned Lamont in Connecticut. And it was clearly advocate like the questions were led to advocate for socialist policies one of the questions was wouldn't it be great if you had free health care yes or no and i said well yeah sure of course that'd be great and there's no follow-up well of course free stuff is great but who eventually somebody has to pay for free stuff so um yeah <laughs> 
I don't know. So anyway, we got um, we have these crazy polls coming out of everywhere, and one of the races that I've been um, really following is, and, and Oprah was there today. We might have seen this: is Stacey Abrams, the Democrat, female, black Democrat in Georgia. Uh, Casey Cagle, Republican, white guy. Okay, the entire, um, you know, the entire campaign has been about you going to vote for the white guy or the black woman. It's identity politics. Oprah came up on stage. We got to vote with our heart. With let me talk to the women. We got to vote for other women. Let me talk to the black people. We got to vote for other black people. That's what Oprah said today. I mean, this is this is pure identity politics where Casey Cagle's running on policy. Hey, look, this is what works. This is what I'm doing. And this is what you can expect. Okay, so you can expect that, you know, this is this is a likely GOP state. And if if she doesn't win, the, the media play is going to be like, well, Georgia's racist. Well, <laughs> no, Georgia just didn't like her policies. That has nothing to do with race. People there. there remember, I talked about yesterday. There's 5000 white supremacists. There's a thousand in, in America registered white supremacists with with groups. OK, I'm sure there's other people that just don't register and don't speak out about it. But let's say that is that means there's a thousand times more people that believe in vampires in the United States of America. OK, it's pretty dumb. I don't vote for somebody based on their skin color. I vote for somebody based on their policies. And if your policies suck, I don't care if you're white, black, blue, green, whatever. So this the, the entire thing is is this fear mongering. We're going to talk about what. In the, you know, I read a lot of Vox because it's pretty far left. I, they're they're just going into fear mongering, and they turn around and they project it on Republicans, and they literally say that Republicans are all the things that Democrats are, in order to make you think that they're horrible horrible people. But if they they don't even look in the mirror, maybe they do, maybe they know it, and they just think we're. I mean, Gruber, the guy, who, the architect of Obamacare, he said you can call it the stupidity of the American voter. Some of these people actually think that the average person is just stupid. Not in America, homie. No way. So, we will see. Come Tuesday, I think it's going to be a blowout. I think Republicans are going to just blow it out for the Senate. I think they're going to take... They will probably lose a couple seats. But keep in mind, because we lose a couple seats, there's still every single congressman is still up for election. So, it's not like one or two up for election like the Senate. Every single one is. Okay, so keep this in mind, folks. The, the identity politics, when you go to the ballot box, vote for your pocketbook. Okay, vote for your family's future. Because if Democrats get their way, they're going to spend trillions of dollars on dumb stuff, and your kids are going to be left saddled with the debt. All I can say, don't trust the polls. Make sure that you get out and vote because it is extremely, extremely important. Almost as important as Trump versus the media. You know, there's, there's a great article on National Review. I read a lot of that, too. And it highlighted that both the Trump and the media are to blame. And sure, look, dude, dude did Trump saddle some blame here? Sure, absolutely. For the war against the media? But I, I'm, I happily blame him because I think it's a badge of honor. Because, the, the, I mean, the previous rules used to be you don't go to war with someone who buys ink by the barrel. Don't go to war with the press. Trump rewrote that book. Remember the new rules segment that I did? The new rules are in. Republicans get to get to fight back. That's the, that's the new rule. So um, what we have is 
this this ongoing war with Trump and the media, and it, it, to me, it really is is pretty pretty bad that the media can't get out of their own way, and they consistently call themselves, you know, the the, the if we question Trump, it, it's our job. We have to question him because somebody has to question him. Otherwise, we're not doing our job. Fine question him but have legitimate questions and don't come loaded with loaded questions that don't mean anything okay so here's the thing though america gets it america gets that press you're not fooling anyone anymore you lost okay you have lost this battle will you realize it or not you are losing the american people you are losing your voters you are losing a lot and i think it's really time that they stand down now, of course, I'm a Trump guy, so people say, well, it's time Trump stands down. No. For too long, Republicans have just been getting crapped on by the media. Finally, we have someone. And, it, you know, it's great. Watching Trump do this, I see these things play out. I'm like, yep, this is a media trap. It's like shooting fish in a barrel. He takes, he'll say something, and the media pounces. And they're like, whoa, we got, we got to run a story on this. So they say this stuff, and... um. <laughs> the media will jump down this rabbit hole and all of a sudden Trump will be like, gotcha. It's like um, what he said with repealing birthright citizenship via executive order. It was it, it was literally like you could have called it to the T. These people, <laughs> I mean, these guys got it so wrong. Trump said that they immediately jumped on him and all of a sudden the American public were like, actually, yeah, that makes a ton of sense. And then they played all these clips of Harry Reid and Joe Biden and all these other people who agreed with him. They're like, wow, okay, that sounds great. Let's do that. So, um, it, 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 it's watch it. I mean, just watch this stuff play out. And if you're, if you're paying attention to it, you can see it. And you're three, you can see it three steps ahead of the media. I don't know how they don't see it coming. Yeah, I guess CNN, you got to face it, man. Trump is better that better at this game than you. I mean, he keeps... Be, I mean, he owns your soul. He buys real estate in your head, and you can't get away from it. It's like you're locked in. The media, though, is record, and this is what I love, Trump. He'll say, the press the enemy of the people. And they'll be like, oh, my God, he's just a terrible person. We can't have this. We can't have this at all. So they run these stories about how Trump is such so terrible for making the press the enemy of the people. Now, what that does is it makes the press look like whiny babies. Trump said we're the enemy of the people, but we're really fighting for freedom. Yeah. No. The American people see you as whiny babies. They're like, dude, really? Really? Trump just called you out and you can't get over it now. And then they spend their entire primetime segments talking about that one soundbite from Trump. And Trump is like... Gotcha again, because you're talking about Trump. And what you're doing is you're not convincing any new people. All you're doing is spreading exactly the message that Trump wants. Trump wants to wants you to go out there and say, well, he's, he's being mean to us. Well, you're being mean to him. So instead of whining about how mean you are, he goes on the attack and he makes you look like a bunch of assholes. It's fantastic. I love watching it. It's one of the greatest things to do. Um... You know, it, it it's almost like we're waiting to see. And the average person is waiting to see who caves. Who, who who's going to cave first? It's not going to be Trump. I tell you that. These media networks are going to have to find something other than you know attacking Trump. Why don't you attack his policies? They're not racist. You can't attack it on that merit. 
Why don't you attack the policy and say, hey, that we don't like this policy because of X. Not emotional things, factual things, database things. Because Trump's calling you out. You know? Have you ever noticed nowadays that half the stories in the media are about the media? About Jim Acosta's Dear Diary, which is hilarious. Whoever started that, you get like a gold star for life. Um, and maybe like parking permits to park anywhere you want in the world. That should be your reward. If you, um, if you can make Jim Acosta meltdown, you get the reward of being able to park wherever, whenever you want. That's, that should be the award. Um, you know, you, you, you read this. I mean, look at something that CNN said. So I'm going to read you a paragraph from a CNN article. It says, Look at just one of the outlet's behavior in the past few days. This is the National Review article, sorry. And it, um, a CNN talking head, Julia Ioffe, uh, claimed that the president has radicalized so many more people than ISIS ever did. Really, lady? Come on. So it, it goes on to say, when Trump-aligned panelist David Urban pushed back, um, moderator Jake Tapper responded, okay, you disagree with it, as though... I off ludicrous assertion <laughs> that there were simply a statement of opinion. I think I exaggerated. She later said in a lame apology. Okay. Lame apology for liberals. Everything goes back to normal. Um, where was I here? Oh yeah. So she says, yeah, yeah. You know, ISIS has tens of thousands of armed soldiers fighting for its cause. The reason CNN has people like I on the air is because they can be counted on to say outrageous things about Trump. That's, that's true. It's patently true. And they want that controversy because they want someone else to be a sacrificial lamb that they can then say, well, you know, that person was pretty crazy. And they can sound moderate. That's what the media does. They bring people on who are who will say crazy stuff and then they can push back on them and they say, oh, look at how crazy that person is. All the, all the while trying to gain ratings. That's why Fox News had me on because I used to say crazy stuff and they used to be like, oh, whoa, that was crazy. Get a soundbite. Now Fox News is famous. Um, so it was Iof whose reaction to the news that Ivanka was taking a White House office traditionally used by first ladies was either, quote, was, quote, either Trump is effing his daughter or she's shirking nep or he's shirking nep nepotism laws. I mean, this is the stuff that this woman says. Do you have any credibility at all? It's unbelievable. On Tuesday, CNN's Chris Cazilla wrote, Donald Trump wants you to be scared at the ballot box. No, he doesn't. That's a, literally the fundamental principle of Donald Trump's policies is that he does not want you to be scared. He is protecting our borders. He has crushed, crushed ISIS. He is simply there saying that he does not want people in America to be afraid. He is a law and order president. That's what he is. He's not out there trying to crush people with fear he's trying to limited government maximum freedom he is literally trying to get you to use the most and uh, the most freedoms you have exercise them at the ballot box exercise them every day no fear don't be afraid of anything what you should be afraid of is people trying to take away that freedom telling you what to think you know it was chris cuomo who ran a segment advising viewers uh, of supposed GOP fear-mongering. I mean, the Chiron literally said Republicans employ scare tactics ahead of midterms. It, it was on the same week that Gillum said, you'll die if you don't vote for me. If you vote for a Republican, it's going to cost lives. Cory Booker said thousands of people will die. I mean, come on, man. And Republicans are fear-mongering? you got to be kidding me.
this is so stupid. So, I, I mean, I could go on and on and on with examples about this. But this is the left. They, they're projecting their idiocy onto us. And it is them who are actually using the fear-mongering. That's what they do. They have no policies to run on. They, they don't have anything worth you voting for them. So they, they tell you that everybody else is, is fear-mongering and terrible people. And if you vote for them, then people will die. That's what they do. So anyway, um, another special thanks to our friends at the Great America Pack for bringing you this show. I really appreciate it. It's fantastic. These guys are the best. And I, I'm so I, I read their stuff twice during the show because I, I really want you to soak it up. And I want you to go there and they have an initiative going where you can thank the president. He gets all this crap. We're talking about all the media just now. He gets all this crap in the media. Okay. And he doesn't really have a place where he can turn to, to to see people who really support him because he goes on Twitter, he gets trolls, he gets everything. So you can go to thankstrump.us. That's www.thankstrump.us. Okay. You can tell him how much you appreciate everything he's doing. You can liaise with other MAGA supporters. I'm sure he would love to hear from you. www.thankstrump.us. Go there, leave your opinion, let Trump know, let the president know how much you appreciate everything he's doing. I'd appreciate it too. Um, so, okay. So we're talking about fear and, and things like that. Um, there's a, this is the, the Vox article I was telling you about, and this is something I rarely do this, but I really, I think it's so important. Okay. So it's an article and, and I want you to take a walk down liberal lane because imagine being a liberal. I know that would be so hard. Um, just not being able to, to think for yourself and, and, you know, being forced to believe a narrative just because someone told you to. So, but take a step back. Most of you, the listeners of the show, you're pretty educated people. You do your homework, and I appreciate that. And that's that. I think that's why you listen to the show because I do encourage you to think for yourself. So, um, it says 2018 is the election uh, is the identity politics election, and this is a Vox article. Okay, which that's 100 percent true. But what they believe based on it is totally different from the reality. Well, not totally, but it's fairly different from the actual reality. So it says a slate of historically diverse candidates versus fear-based white identity politics defines the midterms. I mean, give it a rest. You realize that a s overwhelming majority of the people that are screaming about identity politics and racism and things like that are like rich white liberals. It's unbelievable. So I'm going to read this article and we're going to go through it because, again, imagine being a liberal. This is what you think every day. This is, this is the news you envelop yourself with. This is how you think. This is what you believe. And it's, it's a walk down liberal lane into a thought process that I will never understand, that I'll never agree with. So it, it, and I, and we're going we're gonna to not read you the whole thing all at once. Don't worry. I, I'm going to give you some break of sanity in there. So Democrats, like it or not, are running on identity politics in the 2018 midterm elections. Uh, come to think of it, so are Republicans. Okay. Let's hear why. All right. After a divisive 2016 Democratic primary, the party fiercely debated whether to emphasize issues important to people of color or whether to focus on progressive economic policies. Okay, the party is still figuring out how far left to take its economic agenda, but Democrats have become united on the question of diversity. Okay, and this is part of the problem, is the Democrats consistently put diversity over qualifications. 
Okay, Hillary Clinton was a diversity candidate. She was not a qualification candidate. Sure, she was present as the Secretary of State. Sure, she was present as the First Lady. But what she did there was not favorable. She's not a well-liked person. She's a horrible candidate. Horrible candidate. Okay, article goes on. More Democratic women have been nominated in 2018 than ever before. The party is also embracing young, progressive, emerging stars like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez in New York and Andrew Gillum in Florida. By the way, both of them are nutjobs. Um, who back progressive policies such as Medicare for All. Show me where that's worked ever. Democrats have nominated candidates likely to become the first Muslim women and the first Native American women in Congress. Well, what about Elizabeth Warren? Um, they also count among their ranks some of the long shot candidates who are historically first in their own right first trans transgender woman nominee for governor in uh, vermont is a democrat i mean this this is the stuff that they're going off of they're 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 like hey we haven't had one of the, remember the bean piles folks i'm always talking about bean piles on this show they divide people up into bean piles wait hey, we need we need one person to run from that bean pile we need one person to run from this bean pile. No, we don't. We need people to run who can do a good job for the country. I don't care what color your skin is. I don't care who you sleep with at night. I don't care what body parts you think or don't think you have. If you can do the best damn job for my country, great. You're in. Boom. If your policies are the ones that I can look up somewhere and say, wow, that policy when historically been implemented all over the world or all over the country, that works, great. That's my person. I don't care if you wear a wig and you're a man, or if whatever. I, I just don't care. So the identity politics here, you know, they talk about Ocasio-Cortez. She's nuts. She's a nutbag. Okay? She's also incredibly, like, shockingly low knowledge about the position she's about to take. Simply by default, because there's not enough Republicans in the thing that they won't vote for. Nobody will vote against her because she's a Democrat. I mean, it's shocking to me. And she talks about democratic socialism. It's still socialism, and people are still going to vote for it. I mean, it's shocking. So the article goes on. The Washington Post recently reported Democrats have set or essentially matched records for the number of female, black, and LGBT nominees. Meanwhile, Republicans' diversity statistics have either remained static or declined in each category, leading to a heavily white male slate of nominees. Republicans seem to be uh, retrenching the white identity politics that favored Donald Trump. Their candidates continue to be older, whiter, and more often male. Folks, imagine reading this and you're like shaking your head. Yeah, that sounds yeah, that's exactly what they are. They're 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 bad old white men. I mean this this is what liberals believe. This is this is obviously written by a devout liberal and it is it is how they think. It is what their process. Now I always say folks, know your enemy. You know, but Sun Tzu, friends close, enemies closer. I think it was Sun Tzu. I don't know. Whatever. Um, it, someone said that other than me. You have to understand how these liberals think. They 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 get in their circles and they beat their drum about, yeah, it's the evil white people. And if you look around the circle, they're all white people. That's how these things go. Okay? I mean, Hillary Clinton was like arguably one of the whitest people ever. Okay? So, um, hmm. I, I, I wish I had more to say about this, but I don't care what sex you are. I don't care what gender you think you are. I don't care what color your skin is. Again, this is about policies for me. Republicans vote on policies. Why there's not more women in Canvas? I don't know. Maybe because there's, 
you know, tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of, of dollars being thrown into finding diverse candidates, finding and supporting diverse candidates on the left, where we don't, we don't work that hard. We just say, hey, who's ever best? Come to the table. We want to hear your stuff. Okay? We don't have people propping up minorities in the Republican Party just for the sake of politics. We prop up ideas, not bean piles. So perhaps inevitably, these differences are reflected in the policies each um, each party pushes. While Democrats are leaning into energy and enthusiasm to motivate voters, Republicans are betting on fear and aversion to change. They're running campaign ads that look more like horror movies with dangerous, often brown criminal brown criminals as villains. In the campaign's final days, Trump relentlessly sounded the alarm about a migrant caravan with his fellow conservatives warning of disease and violence if these people were seeking asylum to cross the U.S.-Mexico border. This is insane. They're, they're part, they, they ran ads about <laughs> Paul Ryan pushing Granny over a cliff because he said he was going to repeal Obamacare. I mean, come on, folks. This is pure projection. We're running ads that are factual, like, hey, look, this guy's a turd. Why? Because he did X, Y, and Z. Period. End of sentence. No emotion to it. Beto O'Rourke got a DUI and tried to flee the scene. Period. That's fear-mongering? No, it makes him a jerk. It makes him an irresponsible idiot. Okay? So, again, imagine sitting there, you know, eating your granola in your us with socks on in Vermont reading this is like oh yeah I like this this transgender is governor candidate is great I don't know any of her policies but man she is great because she's transgender I mean that, that's what these people do so it, it, the article goes on insofar identity politics in quotes means a focus on party's demographic characteristics rather than its ideology yeah in 2018 should be thought of as identity politics election it is and you know what it is? And I, we played the clip the other day. It was the uh, the DCCC and the N, I believe it was the NRCC chairman going back and forth, seeing who could be called, who could call someone racist more. That's what it comes down to. Is these people are literally just rate they're just race baiting. They're saying you're racist, you're terrible, you're horrible, and I don't like I don't like you because of that. It's so dumb. It's so dumb. You know, we have to move past this. I I really don't get it. So the article goes on. Each side has its reasons. This so-called resistance is made up of women and people of color who are particularly displeased with the Trump administration. Why? Why are you displeased? They don't know why, but just because Trump, they say Trump is racist. Democrats clearly want to tap into that backlash. Older voters, meanwhile, remain the most reliable Republican voters. Hmm. Remember what Churchill said? If you're not a liberal at 20, you have no heart. If you're not a conservative at 40, you have no brain. He's right. Especially in the Trump era, the GOP needs to stave off a blue wave. We do. It's because the Democrats have infiltrated our education systems and our young people, people my age, are shockingly liberal. And younger, especially the, the younger, like 20-somethings. Shockingly liberal. It's not, it goes on. It's not an accident that Ocasio-Cortez has emerged as the new face of the Democratic Party. 
in 2018. She's a 28-year-old Hispanic woman and identifies as a democratic socialist. She is, remember I told you about her? She has memorably um, introduced herself to voters with a viral video focusing on her unique biography. Democrats are nominating younger and more diverse candidates, and their voters are pushing the party to the left. That might explain why Ocasio-Cortez has so quickly become one of the party's standard bearers in the national press, and why. Though she is facing an unusual amount of scrutiny, party leaders have been careful to extend her a welcome. She was originally not even endorsed by Barack Obama. Because they saw her policies a nightmare. Her policies are a disaster. They're socialist. Ben Shapiro said it best. You can be a democratic socialist. It's like having a turd sandwich. It's still a turd. It doesn't work. No policy she's advocating for. She was asked, like, how are you going to pay for this? It's going to be $32 trillion for this Medicaid program you want. Well, you know, we're going to take some money from over here. and we're gonna, But we don't have that. The money doesn't exist. There's not enough money to do that. And that's the, that's the crazy thing about this is time and time again, she is, has put her foot in her mouth. But whether it be foreign policy, budget issue, uh, didn't she say she was inaugurated? Um, so Nancy Pelosi, our article goes on, Nancy Pelosi in a call to Ocasio-Cortez after she defeated the establishment leader, Joe Crowley, said, thank you for your courage to run. This is not for the faint of heart. The energy that... T- uh, uh, the typified Orcasio-Cortez upset of a longtime Democratic political boss caught on in the races across the country. Beto O'Rourke facing Ted Cruz in Texas Senate has been buoyed at, by you know, record amounts of small dollar. I mean, record. I mean, Bernie Sanders style record amounts. There be tens of millions of dollars. Gillum, the mayor of Tallahassee, who, by the way, is in all kinds of trouble for doing things. Uh, with campaign finance that are way out of legality, beat out candidates with better name recognition and more money through the enthusiasm of black voters and his association with Bernie Sanders' progressive agenda. Boom. It's crazy. Now, again, sitting there thinking, they're eating their cereal, reading this and nodding to it. Well, yeah, you know, this is, I'm so proud of my Democratic Party because we're going, we're making sure, we might not have the best candidates, but we have the most diverse candidates. I mean, clearly, when you have someone like Ocasio-Cortez, I don't care what nationality she is, when she's out there talking about democratic socialism and how it's the way of the future and capitalism won't always be around, she's not a good candidate. She's going to be a terrible congresswoman. And socialism, folks, the people who are voting for her, you're voting against your own pocketbook. I mean, how stupid can you be? She says those races are also distinct from Ocasio-Cortez's in an important way. While she was more or less guaranteed a seat in Congress for her Bronx district uh, after the primary, O'Rourke and Gillum are being asked to defeat seasoned, well-funded Republicans. Democrats are beating are betting on youth, energy, and diversity in critical swing elections. They also nominated women in the Arizona, Kristen Steinman in uh, Nevada, and, and uh, Jackie Rosen. Senate campaign's progressive Kara Eastman beat a white, older, quasi-incumbent man, ex-rep Brad Ashford, to represent the Democrats in a crucial House district in Omaha, Nebraska. So what they're doing is that, you know, in these in these early midterm primaries, not a lot of people vote. So it's, it's actually a pretty brilliant tactic by the Democrats to get into office. Now, it's not a great de- tactic for governing, but what it is, uh, you have a significant number of people that just don't even know the primaries are happening, don't vote because it's a low turnout. So if you target a very small group of people 
and swing them and get them to vote. And you do it by the bean pile theory, race, gender, sex, sexual orientation, whatever. You you target a single community and then that makes news that all the gays are voting for Ocasio-Cortez or whatever it is. All the Latinos, whatever it may be. It builds momentum. Okay. It's actually a brilliant tactic. Horrible for governing, but brilliant tactic for actually getting elected. So the article goes on. Those those examples show diverse and female candidates are having particular success running on progressive agendas. White men running on the same platform haven't always had as much luck. Like when the primary challenger, Matt Brown, lost easily to Rhode Island uh, Governor Gina uh, Ramone, whatever, a centrist fiscal reformer and the first woman to be elected governor in the state. In other cases, like I.N. Presley's upset of Rep. Michael Cupano, ideology did not seem to have much to do with it. Cupano had been a strong liberal, but Presley still got beat. Um, she's, you know, she's set to become the first black woman to represent uh, Massachusetts in Congress. And look, you know, a muffin could get elected with a D in front of her name in Congress in uh, Massachusetts. I'm not, I'm not that. There's a ton of people running up there that, you know, were good Republican people. Zero shot at getting elected. They actually, Some of them asked me to help them with their campaign. I was like, give zero shot. You're not, you cannot win. You cannot win. So here's one thing. So one chart sums it up. While the number of women running, in, uh, running for Congress is effectively flat, there has been a dramatic surge in Democratic women candidates, as Vox's Tara Golshan reported. The number of House Republican women could actually shrink after the midterms due to women like Marsha Blackburn leaving to run for Senate. Hmm. Interesting. And I'm looking at this graph right here, and it shows Republicans are basically flatlined. We, we've, you know, we're hovering at about 12% over the last 20 years. 12% women. Okay. You know, maybe women just don't want to run. Maybe that has something to do with it. But you look at the Democratic graph, it's it hovers between... 15 and 25 percent and all of a sudden from 2016 to 2018 shoots up to 50 percent 50 percent it doubles it doubles i mean it's crazy and this is the problem is that it might be fine for a primary but i'm telling you folks the polls are not as close as you think they might be saying that we're going to lose this seat and we're going to lose the house and we're going to listen the people who are being polled are obviously not the same people who vote as per 2016. It's it's a fact. You know, an interesting thing that this article made was a, a comparison between the genders. So men age 18 to 34 vote. Um, they vote for um, more Democrat. I'm sorry, more Republican. Okay. So 18 to 34 men vote um, much more, not much more, but maybe 5 or 10% more for Republican. But women of the same age vote almost 3 to 1 Democrat. That's crazy. 18 to 34 vote 3 to 1 Democrat. Men are pretty much neck and neck, but more, a little bit more Republican. Ages 35 to 49, men vote, um, let's say, 4 to 5 Republican. Okay. So they vote about 20% more for Republican. Women, complete opposite. 20% more for Democrat. Men, ages 50 and older, 
about neck and neck, slightly more for Republican. Women, about neck and neck, slightly more for Democrat. You can see over time, it, the, the charts do moderate quite a bit. But it's funny that men vote Republican in all age groups more. Now, why is that? I don't know. Um, so this is what we're dealing with here. We're, we're dealing with the identi identity politics, and this election is about that. This election is about it, it, the, the left rushed into identity politics. They rushed into a way that they could possibly get more people elected on in, in their moderate in their um, their far far left platform. And what happened was is they ended up electing people not because of qualifications, but because of diversity. Look, folks, you can have the worst policies on this planet, but if you have enough money behind you, you can still win an election. A, a very smart person in politics once told me, he goes, uh, he, he runs campaigns, and he said he, ha he had a guy who thought he knew everything and went out and campaigned and knocked on doors and told people his policies and spoke at things, and he lost. The next go-around, the same guy ran. And he locked himself in a room and made fundraising calls, and then he won. He said that was the single greatest lesson in politics that anybody could have gotten. That you need to raise money. And when you put money behind diversity, guess what? You get diversity. There's an incentive for diverse candidates to run for office if you prop them up. So when I see this, this chart, I don't see it as diversity is winning out i see it as they're more special interest groups are putting more money behind diversity and is it working of course it's working but folks i'm worried that we're not going to get the best i'm not saying people of minority descent can't be good candidates i'm just saying did they get there because of minority it's the same thing with affirmative action and that's what scares me and this article in vox goes on and on and on but imagine being the person that sitting there reading this and being like, yeah, Republicans are terrible. Imagine that. That And that's what we're at. The liberals believe, they genuinely believe in their heart of hearts that, that Republicans are terrible, bad, racist, awful people. That's what they believe. They believe that wholeheartedly. And the fact is we're not. Even when we say things that the left deems racist, it doesn't mean you're racist. That's the problem. And when we were running elections based on the beanpile theory, you run into a lot of problems because then you're you're voting for your beanpile. You're not voting for America. And that's exactly what the left has wanted. And Republicans just aren't catching on. We haven't tried hard enough and we're not fighting back. And I go back to the beginning segment of the show. Stop apologizing. Because every time we apologize, we embolden the left and they say, see, we were right. They were wrong and they apologized. And that's why you have to vote for us. That is, that is what it is. And I, for one, am sick. And sick and tired of their identity politics, folks. I want the best candidate. I want the best candidate for the person. If they can't, if you, if, if you have to prop somebody up for diversity, I don't know if they're the best candidate. Folks, make sure you go to carlhigby.com. You can get this podcast. You can go to at carlhigby on Twitter. I appreciate you tuning in. We are going to see you tomorrow for our uh, final show of the week, but stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. We appreciate it, and we'll talk soon.